Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, and your speaker for the Lead On Podcast, where every week we talk about practical issues related to ministry leadership. Today I'd, talk to, today I'd like to talk about uh, what it means to be intentional about infiltrating communities with the gospel. And I've chosen the word infiltrate uh, very carefully, uh, and I want to talk about the difference between that approach and some other common approaches that churches use. A few years ago, I was speaking on this subject and uh, in a small group, and a man said to me during the break, wow, we have a great example of infiltrating the community with the gospel in our church. I said, well, man, tell me about it. That sounds awesome. He said, yeah, a few years ago, a young woman in our church uh, developed a burden for reaching unwed mothers uh, with the gospel, and so she wanted to uh, provide a home for them to come to live so they could receive medical care, emotional support, spiritual guidance, uh, and through that process, see if some of them would come to faith in Jesus, but if all of them could come to a healthier understanding of what it meant to to be a mother before they gave birth. Well, she shared this uh, burden with some of the leaders of our church, and and they resonated with that in our community, and so then she shared it with some other uh, people in the church who had some means, and they decided to give some money to help get this launched, and so very quickly, uh, they had rented a house. The first women had moved in. The ministry started to demonstrate effectiveness, so they formed a board, uh, created a more formal structure, and he said the ministry's been going on now for uh, the past several years, and it's really been a healthy way to uh, connect with and meet the needs of and reach women in our community in this, in this way. And I said, that is a great story, but unfortunately, it's not at all what I'm talking about. Well, he was a bit stunned, and you may be too, listening to the podcast. I mean, that's a great story, and it is a great story, and that's a great ministry, and it is a great ministry, and it had good results, and it did have good results, but it's not an example of infiltrating the culture with the gospel. So what am I talking about? Well, let's first understand that strategies for communicating the gospel really fall into three broad uh, categories. First of all, there's what I call attraction strategies, and then there are engagement strategies, and then there are infiltration strategies. Now, attraction strategies are Christian events or programs that are designed to accommodate unbelievers and introduce them to Jesus Christ. For example, uh, a seeker-friendly worship service is an attraction strategy, or a Christian coffee house might be an attraction strategy. And then an engagement strategy. Well, what's that? An engagement strategy is an event or a program designed to extend ministry to unbelievers and introduce them to Jesus. Uh, Church-based sports programs are a good example. Uh, Neighborhood block parties. In fact, Uh, The example I used to open the podcast is a great example of an engagement strategy. It's a program uh, designed to extend ministry to unbelievers and introduce them to Jesus, and they were doing a great job with that. Now, listen carefully before I go on to the meat of the podcast. There is nothing wrong with attraction and engagement strategies. I am not speaking against them. Uh, There are valid ways of reaching people with the gospel today. You can point to stunning examples of success in both categories. 
They're very common ways that churches and ministry organizations are using uh, today uh, to communicate the gospel, and I applaud them. But they have some weaknesses. Uh, they can be very expensive. They can be very time-consuming for Christian believers and Christian leaders. Uh, they can be fairly limited in the scope of how they can connect with a community. So there are some limitations to these, and that's why I want to bring some balance to this by presenting this third category that I call infiltration strategies. Now, an infiltr- what is an, infiltr- an infiltration strategy? Well, it is the deployment of believers throughout the culture to introduce unbelievers to Jesus Christ in their context. Now, get that again. An infiltration strategy is the deployment of believers throughout the culture to introduce people to Jesus Christ in their context. Now, uh, let me give some examples, again, to help you understand the difference between attraction, engagement, and infiltration. Let's talk about sports. Uh, An attraction strategy might be uh, forming a softball league for the community and inviting people to play in that league. An attraction strategy, uh, excuse me, an engagement strategy might be forming a church softball team but playing in a secular league. But an infiltration strategy is individual Christians joining their company's softball team playing in that context, and staying around afterwards uh, for the refreshments. Now get the difference. Attraction, we're creating a softball league, and we want everyone in the community to come and play in our league. We want to attract you to our Christian league. An engagement strategy? No, we're going to take a Christian group and go into the culture so the Christian team is going to go and join a secular league. But infiltration is where individual Christians join individual teams of lost people or unsaved people and infiltrate by building relationships to share the gospel in that context. Okay, let me give you another example. Let's talk about a Bible study. Inviting a friend to Sunday school, that's an attraction strategy. Uh, We have a class, and we'd like for you to come and participate. Uh, Organizing a Bible study group and placing that group in the workplace, that's an engagement strategy. We're going to send out Christians into the workplace uh, to do something that will engage people with the gospel. But an infiltration strategy is volunteering to be a corporate chaplain and taking the gospel and the Bible one-on-one into the lives of people in a secular organization. So that's another set of examples related to Bible study. Here's another one. Let's talk about children. Uh, An attraction strategy would be starting a uh, children's home or an orphanage, attracting people to come and live there and be there that they might be impacted by the gospel. An engagement strategy, on the other hand, is developing uh, a church-sponsored mentoring program where the church organizes mentors and goes into the community and does after-school programs or reading programs or other programs where the church, by its ministry, engages the community with the gospel. But what would infiltration look like? An infiltration strategy would be a church 
loosing its members to join the secular foster care program of the city or county where you live and becoming the primary provider of foster care through the secular system. Now, get these three examples in your mind. There's, or these three categories in your mind. There's uh, attraction strategies, engagement strategies, and infiltration strategies. And remember, they're all valid. They all have their place. The first two are the two that are most commonly used today by churches and ministry organizations, and they have some weaknesses. They're expensive, they use a lot of labor from Christian people, and they can be niched or isolated from really penetrating a broader community with the gospel. And I've given you these illustrations to help you see that I do value all three approaches. Uh, all three have, uh, have their place, and all three can make a difference. But frankly, there's another reason why or there are several reasons why uh, Christians veer away from infiltration strategies and lean to uh, attraction and engagement strategies. And I want to talk about those for a few minutes because I think if we can expose some of these uh, problems that we can start addressing the reasons that we are some ways that we can be more intentional about developing infiltration opportunities. The first reason that Christians uh, don't like infiltration strategies is that Christians aren't in control in those venues. This is the one of the defining differences between attraction and engagement strategies and infiltration strategies. Um, attraction and engagement are controlled by Christians. We set the time, we set the place, we set the agenda, uh, we set the leadership. We are in control, and we are saying to non-Christians, you are welcome to come and participate, or we're going to take ministry to you, and we hope it will connect with you. But nevertheless, in both of these, we're in control. But in the infiltration strategies, Christians are not in control. Listen, when you go into the, adult, or go into the foster care system in your area, uh, you'll find out you're not in control. Now, you have influence, and you can certainly uh, live the gospel out in your family and share it openly, but you're not in control. You don't set the ultimate agenda. When you join your church or your company's uh, softball team, uh, you're not in control. You don't get to decide what's served in the after-game refreshment party. Uh, and it may not be something that you'd want to participate in at that point, but nevertheless, uh, you're not in control, so you don't get to set the agenda or even criticize it when it is set. Uh, when I worked for years as a corporate chaplain, I didn't set the agenda. The corporation did. They told me where I could go, when I could go, what time I could be there, when I had to leave. They told me what room I could use and when I could and could, when I could, and could not use it. Uh, they had their rules, and I had to abide by them. I was not in control, but I was there to get the gospel into the organization in all the ways that were legitimate and that I could have influence. And so the first reason uh, why Christians don't like infiltration strategies is, quite frankly, uh, because we're, we're not in control. Second, we don't like infiltration because Christians fear compromise. Now, Christians are uncomfortable uh, hearing profanity, sharing meals where alcohol is served, sitting in the smoking section, hearing off-color jokes, socializing with secular people who only want to talk about secular issues. Um, I get it. A lot of these aspects of our culture are offensive, uh, they're frustrating uh, for some Christians who've uh, come out of that kind of culture and into faith in Jesus Christ and into the Christian subculture. Uh, those kinds of activities are reminders of their old way of life and can be even problematic. And so um, there is some legitimacy to this concern. We should fear compromise if it's uh, the kind of 
behavior or the kind of exposure to behavior that would dilute or damage our Christian witness, our Christian commitment. But we don't have to automatically assume that we have to shun or avoid all aspects of engagement, or excuse me, of infiltration with culture in order to keep ourselves uh, without compromise. So I'd ask this question, do you believe that you violate Christian standards by befriending people who behave in sinful ways? Do you believe that you violate Christian standards by befriending people who behave in sinful ways? Uh, The answer is a resounding no. I mean, Jesus is the model. He lived among sinful people. He went to their parties. He went to dinner in their homes. He, he, he went into their uh, sick rooms. Jesus was with sinful people all the time, and it never compromised who he was or what he came to accomplish. So it doesn't violate Christian standards to befriend people who behave in sinful ways. Now, I want to be balanced here. It is important to remember, though, that Some behavior can be so tempting to some Christians that it's wise for them to avoid associating with people who are engaged in those kinds of behaviors, um, either permanently or at least until you're sufficiently capable of resisting that temptation. For example, if you're a converted, a compulsive gambler, it would not be wise for you to infiltrate the culture by going back to the casino and trying to win the blackjack dealers to faith in Jesus. If you're susceptible to falling back into those old patterns, that's not a place you need to be practicing infiltration strategies. Sometimes Christians, especially newer Christians, have to completely break with old patterns in order to establish themselves in their new way of life. That's always appropriate. It's also important to remember that some behavior is always wrong for Christians. For example, I've had for many years a outreach to men in the baseball community and other athletes, and uh, especially men who are in that area that are not yet Christians, they engage in some behaviors that are just always inappropriate for me. So, for example, when I go out to dinner with a, a player he'll uh, or an athlete and, and they order uh, a beer, I, I don't order one. I, I'll order water or a soft drink or something like that, and and I can be with them, I can be with them in that context, but I don't necessarily participate in their behavior. And then if after dinner they say, hey, we're going to go down here to a strip club, uh, I have to say, you know, I can share dinner with you while you have an alcoholic beverage. That's not an issue for me, but I can't go with you to a place where just the being present is going to violate my Christian standards or my Christian commitment. So there are some there are some limitations on what it means to be an infiltrating Christian. There are some behaviors you can't do and some places you can't go. But what I'm speaking about here is is being aware of those issues but not using those things as an excuse to keep you from being out there in the culture with the gospel trying to make a real difference. In uh, uh, infiltrating companies, organizations, sports leagues, being out there with people who are not yet Christians and having genuine relationship with them so that you have the opportunity and that you're there with the purpose of sharing the gospel. Now, um, I, I had a, a situation uh, that was a friend of mine told me about that I, I think helps to understand that even in these most difficult of places, we can still infiltrate with the gospel. 
Um, I'm friends with a, a woman who helped launch a ministry to women who worked in the sex industry, as particularly worked in dance clubs in their community. They made a, 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 a commitment going in that no woman under, I think it was age 50, would be allowed to participate in the ministry. In other words, they said no, no men can participate, certainly, and no young women who might be tempted or enticed or in some way uh, influenced to go into that work could be a part of the ministry. But these older women decided, you know what, we, we're going to do something. And so they, they went to uh, the club operators in their community and made friends with a few of them and told them what they wanted to do and developed a chaplaincy-type program to women who worked in the strip club industry in their community. They went into the clubs and they uh, took small gifts. They built relationships. They made friends. They offered child care. They offered job training. Uh, they offered pathways to move to different kind of employment if they wanted it. And they offered the gospel. Now, this is a little bit of an engagement strategy because it was a Christian ministry that was launched into that community. But as soon as it got into the community, it turned into an infiltration strategy as they became uh, embedded, if you will, or Im immersed, if you will, in that culture to, in such a way that they became part of it so they could have the relational strength of uh, the relationships established that gave them the capacity to have strong witness of the gospel. So even in those kinds of contexts, with some proper precautions and some checks and balances and some clear accountability, uh, it's possible to infiltrate with the gospel. So uh, we have to be afraid, we have to be concerned about compromise, but we can't let fear of compromise keep us from infiltrating with the gospel. Now, another reason that some Christians are, can't infiltrate or don't want to infiltrate is they frankly lack confidence in their faith. Uh, they have what I call greenhouse faith. You know, um, I once knew a man who had several acres under uh, glass, he called it. He had a large commercial greenhouse operation. And everything in those uh, contexts was controlled perfectly so that the, the plants grew at the Ottoman time and, and they were ripe and ready to be sent to a market at just the right moment. Uh, it was an amazing thing, really. He, he grew thousands and thousands of poinsettias, and they had to be ready just at the right time every December. And so uh, that greenhouse uh, environment was perfectly controlled to produce perfect poinsettias at the perfect time, at the perfect, for, the, uh, for, the, for going to market uh, just around Christmas. Well, some people, uh, some Christians have a faith that's like that. It's what I call a greenhouse faith. You're just fine as long as you're at church or with your Christian friends. Uh, your faith is strong as long as it's in the perfect circumstances where nothing can threaten it. But listen, we don't need greenhouse faith. We need what I call hurricane-resistant faith. We need faith that can stand up uh, under the strongest storms. And that faith is actually grown by exposing it to some challenges and some difficulty and seeing it strengthened so that it does grow not into greenhouse faith, but it grows into hurricane-resistant faith. You know, a number of years ago, my son was playing high school football and was invited to a camp in the southern United States, and so we made the trip. And uh, the Sunday before the camp, we went to a very large church in a nearby community, and when I say large, we're talking thousands of people. 
Now, my son's a striking young man. He walks in the room, sits down, and it wasn't long before several people that, or several teenagers in the youth group noticed him. And, and frankly, they came over and asked him, hey, are you new in our area? Thanks for coming to our church. Are, are you, are you going to stay for Sunday school today? And quite honestly, uh, several of the people that came over and talked to him were very beautiful young girls. And so he was polite and said, no, we're just passing through town here with my dad, not, not staying today, but thanks for inviting me, you know, enjoyed meeting you, etc." Uh, And when I say a lot of teenagers, I mean, there were probably more teenagers in that church that day than there were people in our church in Oregon. I mean, this was a big church. So we went uh, out for lunch, and over lunch I said to my son, hey, listen, that was a, you know, it was an interesting church. He goes, yeah, it was was great. I said, yeah, and it must have been nice having all those teenagers, you know, that invited you to stay, and especially the girls. And he's like, yeah, it was pretty cool. I said, man, do you ever think that it would have been better had we lived in the South? I mean, I'm not saying I would have been a pastor of a big church like this, but there would have been big churches around, and there would have been a lot of Christians, a lot more Christians, and a lot of more Christian girls. And and uh, do you ever just regret growing up in Oregon? And he said, no, Dad, not at all. And then he told me, said something kind of like this, and it stuck with me these years. He said, you know, Dad, in Oregon, if you're a Christian, you got to really want to be one. And he said, I don't want to, you know, be judgmental of these people I met today, but quite honestly, for a lot of the people in the South, it's just cultural Christianity, and a lot of these teenagers, it's just kind of what they grew up with, so they've never really been tested. He goes, Dad, on my football team, there's 100 guys, and I think there's either one or maybe two Christians, and every day that I go in that, in that setting or in that, in that team environment, my faith is on the line. And it's been that way ever since I was a little kid. And so my faith has grown stronger by living in Oregon. And uh, I'm more convinced of my Christian faith because of what I grew up, where I grew up than I, than I think I would be if I'd grown up in a softer or an easier place. Now, if you're listening to this podcast and you're from the South, we're not trying to criticize you. I mean, there's strong Christians in the South just like there's strong Christians in the West. But I think my son was making a good point. You know, his faith was stronger because it grew up in a place where it was challenged, and it was challenged from the beginning. And he said, you know, there's no reason culturally to be a Christian in Oregon. Uh, if you're a Christian in the West, especially in Oregon, you've you got to really want to be one uh, because there's so few and it, it's so different than everyone else around you. Listen, some Christians don't want to infiltrate with the gospel because, quite honestly, they're not sure the gospel will stand up under the pressure of the real life that they're going to have to, or the real life situations they're going to encounter. They know what it's really like at their workplace or uh, where they go for recreation or the gym they work out. They know what it's really like in the family gatherings where they go, where the gospel's not really at the center. And they know that uh, the gospel that they believe and the faith they have just may not really be strong enough to stand up under that pressure. Listen, if that's your gospel, then you need to understand the gospel more clearly. And if that's your faith, you need to do whatever you must do to grow in your faith so that you can understand your faith can stand up under anything that's going to come at it. So infiltrators, we're a little reluctant because we, we, uh, we aren't in control. We're afraid of compromise, and we sometimes lack confidence in our faith. But nevertheless, we are responsible to infiltrate with the gospel, which means we're responsible not just to ask people to come hear the gospel or to take ministry meeting or need meeting ministry to people in the name of the gospel. We're responsible to go into the community with the gospel. Now, how can you do that more intentionally? Well, let me give you four quick suggestions. Number one, be intentional. 
You can do that by some simple things. Make a prayer list of people in your community that you're trying to get the gospel to and pray over that list regularly. Maintain a record of any contact you have with someone and add that to your prayer list. Uh, just a little notation of when you've said something about God or the gospel to them or when they've expressed some openness. Uh, carry some Christian literature with you or some uh, cards that help you can hand out that tell people where to access Christian information on the web. So that when something comes up in a conversation, even though you may be at work and you can't have the full gospel conversation, you can say, hey, that's a great question, and I'd like to talk to you about it sometime after work, but in the meantime, here's a card. Check out this website. It'll help answer some of your questions. Or, hey, here's a little pamphlet or a little booklet. Just read this, and, and maybe we'll get together after work, or we can get together some other time and talk about it. So be intentional. Pray. Keep some notes about your work that you're trying to do as a part of your prayer list. Carry some literature, some gospel, or some, some cards with you that give people access to information. Just thinking intentionally about what you can do will help you to be more open about the gospel as you are in the community. And then second, be available. You, you just have to really be there when you're there. Um, you know, sometimes people say to me, well, I'm out there all the time, but I never talk to anybody about the gospel. Nobody ever brings it up. I, I say, well, are you really paying attention? I mean, there are needs of people all around you. Uh, be open and aware when those needs are available and, and create enough margin in your life that you can actually stop and talk to someone and be available to talk when they want to talk to you about these kinds of issues. I remember one time my wife and I were sitting at a Little League game in the stands just watching our kids, and a man came up and sat by me, and a woman came up and sat by her. Not a married couple, just a man and a woman that were married to other people. And the man started talking to me about my son and about how our relationship seemed to be a good one and how he didn't have a good relationship with his son. And, and in that moment, I was like, dude, I'm, I'm watching baseball. And then I remembered, no, I'm not. I'm here with the gospel. And so I turned my attention to him and started talking with him about the gospel and what a difference it made in my life and how it helped shape my relationship with my son. And through that process, could share the gospel with him. Not just being there, but being available to someone. And then I listened a little bit to my wife, and she's doing the same thing about another issue with the woman who sat down beside her. You know, sometimes we're so preoccupied with what we're doing when we're out there that we forget to be attuned to opportunities when they're presented to us to actually talk about the gospel. Then another way to be a better infiltrator is just be yourself. You know, an infiltrator can't fake it. You can't put your best clothes on and go out on Monday night visitation, which is a good thing, by the way. But you can't do that when you're an infiltrator. When you're an infiltrator, you're just yourself. And that means you're going to make some mistakes, say some things you wish you hadn't said, do some things you wish you hadn't done. You have to apologize. I've got a friend one day who called me and said, hey, you're not going to believe what happened. I said, what? He goes, well, I'm at work. I'm trying to infiltrate with the gospel. I'm doing everything I can to get the gospel into my workplace. And I blew up in anger today in a meeting. I just exploded. And it pretty much shot my Christian witness. I said, no, it didn't. He goes, what do you mean? I said, no, it didn't. I said, because here's what you're going to do. You're going to go back to those same people tomorrow, and you're going to say, you know what? Yesterday, I acted like an idiot, and I'm sorry. Um, I'm trying to act like a Christian. And some days, I just don't do a very good job of it. But I want you guys to know I'm sorry, and I apologize. I said, if you do that, you're acting like a Christian in front of them because you're showing them how to apologize and how to admit you're wrong and how to do what's right. He did that the next day. He called me back and said, you're not going to believe this. All my coworkers said, hey, no problem. Hey, we, we, we appreciate your honesty. Hey, everybody blows up every now and then. It was just a good moment for him to realize that if he really was a Christian, it would, he would live it out even when he made a mistake, and people would even respect him for that. So be yourself. And last of all, be patient. You know, uh, when you do a project like an attraction project and it happens on a certain day and 83 people come, you can say, wow, that worked, we did it, now that's over. But when you're an infiltrator, you work in a building with 100 people and you're trying to get the gospel into your workplace, it's going to be slow. 
it's going to take some time. It may seem like it is taking forever to talk to people about the gospel, to find ways to introduce the gospel, or to see people respond to the gospel. So be patient. Infiltrators are out there for the lifelong commitment of getting the gospel to people, not just for the project that they're working on in the moment. So you're a Christian leader. You're going to lead a lot of attraction strategies, and you're going to lead a lot of engagement strategies, and those are good things. But if we're really going to connect with communities, we're going to have to train dozens and dozens and dozens of Christians to be infiltrators. Not just to invite people to our events like attraction or not just to join teams and go into communities to meet needs and share gospel. That's engagement. We're going to have to train hundreds if not thousands of people to infiltrate into communities into workplaces, into schools, into gyms, into neighborhoods, and everywhere they go have the gifts, or excuse me, have the training and the intentionality to share the gospel and to do so in such a way that we really do infiltrate the culture with the good news of Jesus. Christian leaders have a big responsibility at this point, both to model it and to teach it, and I challenge you to get after it. Lead on.